On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm Sam Shansky, and I'm here at the Diddy TV studios in downtown Memphis today with Kittle and Co., Jeremy, Josh, and Quinn. What's happening, guys? How you doing? Hey, buddy. Be here. Hiya. Hey. All right. I'm doing well. Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about your gear. I'm pretty interested in what you were playing with today and your set. I saw some beautiful instruments. Could you tell me a little bit about what each of you are playing? Maybe go down the line and explain where you got your instruments and what they are. Got a fiddle from Chicago mm -hmm. uh, by a Polish maker. And uh, going through a DPA 4099 gooseneck which is really nice for the close mic sound. Everybody's using those these days. And then also uh, KM84 for a little bit more of a distance sound, just beautiful mics. I used to be doing these studio sessions, and whenever the strings sounded really, really great, mm -hmm. they would always have a KM84 there. So, yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, and I, uh, I use a, play a, proudly a red diamond mandolin uh, by a luthier named Don McCrosty. Okay. Uh, he's out of Athens, Ohio. Um, and I was going through a KM84 as well, and I use a Bartlett mic uh, for a close mic, and I use uh, blue chip picks. That's a big part of it as well. Cool. Yeah. I'm playing a guitar built by my dad. He's a great luthier from Victoria, BC. And I've got a Neumann KM184 and a um, M80A LR Bags pickup. Daniel Lanois told me to get it, and I always listen to him. Cool. Well, I'm not a gear guy. I don't know anything of what y'all are talking about, really. But there are people out there that will, and they're going to appreciate that. <laughs> so thank you for that. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about your album. You have an album out called Whirls. It's a little bit Celtic, a little bit bluegrass, jazz, a lot going on. Um, how meticulous do you have to be to be able to blend those genres together? Um, well, I think, I mean, there's a certain element maybe of meticulousness just in making a record, of any record. But... Um, I think with this, it was more just that we happened to really enjoy playing a few of these different styles, mm -hmm. and and uh, you know we have this string kind of posse, and, and we've jammed and, and spent years playing various styles, each of us, and some of those styles overlap. So with this music, it was really cool to be able to get into some of the kind of things that you do mm -hmm. uh, in those different genres of music, classical music too, and then kind of find a way to uh, just naturally make some music that ends up bringing some of those things into play. It's beautiful stuff, it really Thank is. Thank you. Yeah. Thank so you, So the concept of whirls, I'm interested in uh, where that came from. I know it has something to do with um, fingerprints, also seashells, and a variety of things in botany, that kind of stuff. Sure, sure, yeah. It's, it's really uh, tying into kind of what, you know, the creative process with these different genres and just trying to follow your own intuitive process. To me, that feels a little bit uh, like this natural way that we all are of learning, experiencing, and then everything that we experience kind of jumbles up inside and mm -hmm. comes out in our choices and in what we offer back to the world. So certainly that's the case with music. And in a really interesting way with Josh and Quinn and our other pals who play this kind of music. So um, it felt like a fitting name in that way, this kind of mm -hmm. world together music that you also find in those those fractally patterns in nature, the she yeah, seashells. Yeah, was it inspired a little bit by like flowers or anything like that? Sure, I mean, yeah, absolutely. That I think if you look technically, that, that that's what it usually refers to. Uh -huh. 
uh, leaves and flowers and uh, are you interested in that kind of stuff? by the seashore and, mm. and fairly my my uh, sister-in-law is a botanist actually okay so she gives me the lowdown on so you know enough to go off of all of the plants dangerous yeah oh absolutely yeah we got some trees yes. out back I want you to identify after this <laughs> awesome making us all <laughs> sneeze we need to know <laughs> So do you guys consider yourself visionaries of string music? Absolutely. Oh, man, we are, <laughs> we are groundbreakers. Taking oh it my God. where no one's gone before. That's no a trap, Sam. Boldly. You shouldn't ask us stuff like that. Only where no man has gone No, before. I mean, Band we're just doing our thing. Yeah. And just like everybody's trying to do our thing, there's, there's, uh, <laughs> there's no hierarchy with styles or, or anything like that. We're trying to do it really well. Yeah. And it's a, I feel like a kind of an interesting, unique kind of thing with uh, hearing these guys and how they play and getting into the vibe that we, we do together. But yeah, I mean, if anybody wants to say that, okay. Mm -hmm. But yeah, not us. You have some pretty, you know, uh, elaborate background in this kind of music. I know you all are sort of child prodigy types. Um, maybe maybe tell us a little bit, uh, Josh, where you got started at. So um, both of my parents are musicians and uh, they're great musicians. Um, my dad actually, his big claim to fame is He's one of the only, if not the only, uh, mandolin player to be on a number one hit song in the 80s <laughs> uh, called Key Largo. Um, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I, I grew up with a lot of music around the house. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I got interested in music, I actually started out on drums and was playing professionally uh, with my parents within like a few months of learning how to play. And so did that and then discovered the mandolin um, when I was about 12 years old mm -hmm. and uh, just slowly... Yeah, switched over to just kind of primarily playing mandolin, and then I finally just stopped playing the drums altogether, and you know, got deep into playing like you know an unhealthy amount a day. Yeah. And what was the album that you played? You invited your parents to a concert of drum yeah. music when you was it Aerosmith? It was Aerosmith. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so along with the whole album, and something like that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I, my parents, to save my sister's sanity, mm -hmm. I have two older sisters. I'm the baby of three. Um, they purchased me a an electric drum kit that you could uh you know patch in a cd player to and i was obsessed with aerosmith and their album get a grip <laughs> and so i learned the entire album every note or every beat and uh cut up tickets and sold them to my family for two bucks a pop and then invited them into the room and that was the first time uh any of my family realized that i could play because they, they you know you can't really hear with the electric kit so it was, uh, it was kind of a big reveal. And then I was playing uh, gigs with my parents the very next week. Wow. So you, so you charged your own family to come watch you play. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty little, savage, man. Little, uh, <laughs> what about you, Quinn? I grew up on uh, west coast of Canada, and uh, I came through a different route than these guys, the, uh, more of a Celtic mm -hmm. and uh, folky route, more than bluegrass and jazz kind of stuff. And um, I've, I've toured with a lot of different fiddle players in Canada. Ashley McIsaac I toured a lot with. Um, when I was younger, when I, like 12 or 13 kind of thing, and then uh, Natalie McMaster, a lot of East Coasters, mm -hmm. and uh, tour with my band, Brishan, and my sister. So I come from a musical family with a luthier dad, and uh, love playing with these guys. Always a pleasure. I love your guitar. It's stylish. It's simple, but I love the little white piece at the finger base, whatever that's called. There. Thank you. Yeah, it's good looking. How about you? Oh, Where'd man. you get started? Um started playing you know violin fiddle when i was just a kid and um grew up in michigan so around ann arbor mm -hmm. michigan and you've got all different genres of music you know swimming around there so got really deeply into uh well doing the celtic kind of the classical thing and then the celtic 
fiddle thing early on. That was really like my my uh, my main style that I got into early on, and then went to school for went to school for jazz and was making my own music on the side, and, and I kept on writing music as it went on. But uh, yeah, definitely just getting involved with playing by ear really young, I feel is a mm -hmm. great thing for musicians in general to just uh, be thrown into situations. So yeah. a lot of my favorite musicians were just tossed into the middle of some great music early on and really got to learn a lot that way. When you say playing by ear, you don't necessarily mean improvisational, do you? Sure, I mean, if you even call it improvisation, maybe you don't even know what it's called, but you're yeah. just kind of doing it because everybody's doing it. How so. much is that? How much of that is involved in what you're doing? I mean, it's pretty calculated stuff, right? Yeah, I think we do a lot of improvising. Oh, you um, do? Okay. Yeah, I mean, we, we solo a lot in, um, in the form, and Quinn and I are always kind of going to... Uh, I mean, that's one of the fun things about playing in this band is, mm -hmm. is it's really exciting and thrilling to be uh, playing music with guys, and as soon as you throw something at them, it's like it's, it's you know... Yeah. almost immediately coming back to you, if not done at the same time. Like, Quinn and I will vary things sometimes and uh, end up doing the exact same thing rhythmically in a random place we've never done it before. Um, and so, yeah, we have, like, our set forms, obviously, with all of our melodies and the stuff that Jeremy writes and arranges. Um, but then from there, we definitely, uh, you know, each, each night's a new show. So. But you like it to be perfect, right? I mean, <laughs> mistakes aren't you know, I mean, nothing really like in rock and roll. There's like, you know, it's just kind of like, or a lot of variety of music. There's a, there's room for mistakes, but in this kind of thing, it seems very like it would need to be right on. I think it depends. I think the overall energy needs to be good in whatever style of music it is. Cause there's really no perfection. You can always, you know, you can always criticize something. Yeah. So I think overall that's really the goal is to, you know, one of my favorite fiddlers, this guy named Martin Hayes, he once said, uh, don't aim to be perfect. There's, that's really impossible or to be the best or anything like that mm -hmm. also impossible but what you can do is change the feeling in a room you can change the energy uh through the music that you're playing and get into that kind of energetic play yeah. so i feel like regardless of what style of music or um you know what is happening technically within it um that feels like that's the that's the best goal so back to rooms uh where did you record at was it at a church did i hear is that right? Yeah, we recorded at this beautiful church in Springfield, Massachusetts. So uh, it was a congregational church, Dutch, I think. And then the Masons bought it for a long time. They had it for decades. And then our friend bought it up maybe 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And he's just kind of transformed it into this beautiful space. So if anybody out there is looking for a recording space in Massachusetts, Rotary yeah. Records in West Springfield, is it's pretty awesome. What pretty is it? Great. Rotary Records. Rotary Records. Yeah. yeah. You liked it, huh? We liked great. it. Yeah, good. Really good. That's cool. Was there any collaborations on the album that you'd like to talk about? There was, uh, I mean, collaborating with our producer was great, Tyler Duncan. He is uh, a really wonderful up-and-coming producer and uh, engineer, arranger. Um, has worked with a lot of w great up-and-coming people and established folks, uh, Lake Street Dive and Wolfpack and oh, cool. all sorts of people. Um, yeah. We had one guest on the album, uh, on one track, we had Sarah Droz, the wonderful yeah. uh, singer, friend of ours, sing some backup vocals, which was great. She's amazing. She's great, yeah. And uh, yeah, and then we actually have two other musical partners, too, on cello and Hammer Dulcimer, who were on the most of the album as well. But you yeah. don't tour with them, really. We don't. We're on, uh, kind of, uh, you know, touring 
for a length of time we'll go out as a trio mm -hmm. and then uh we often do the quartet quintet stuff too so kind of a mix and you made a vocal pack. debut right on the album on waltz that's so right yeah waltz and nethermead what did yeah. that what prompted that i mean what made you after all these years decide you were gonna go there just feeling it just wanting to make these songs and just wanting to feeling like there was some music there to be explored and to, to mm -hmm. be made. So just kind of that intuition, just like with all of the music, trying to go uh, follow that intuition to wherever it kind of led to, um, as opposed to having a set idea beforehand. So that just kind of felt like what, what they should be. Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, I'm ha really happy with how they turned out, for sure. Yeah, the first time we got together about seven years ago, um, when Jeremy got the idea to start this kind of a band, mm -hmm. um, it, was, uh, it was at the end of the like week of rehearsing that we did um, in uh, uh, Alabama, actually, mm. and um, I'm sorry, Mississippi, <laughs> and uh, and we were up late one night, and Jeremy and I were both just kind of like going through different vocal covers that we've like learned, like some pop covers and stuff like that. Yeah, and uh, and I remember going, man, you should you should definitely sing more. And he's like, yeah, I've been thinking about it, and so <laughs> yeah, it's finally happened. That's here. very sweet. Yeah. <laughs> And you're working with Compass Records now. That's right, out of Shout Nashville. Shout out to Compass Records. Yeah, yeah. Are you enjoying that? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, cool. we're actually, uh, this is my second record, uh, our first record, my second record, however you want to look at it, uh -huh. uh, through them. And yeah, they're, they're a great label, really um, very thoughtful and forward-looking and have this amazing catalog of new music and and roots and traditional music from you know decades and decades so yeah yeah it's an honor to to be amongst it so they're in nashville yeah or mm -hmm. is that where you are no we're all over the place i'm in new york quinn is around boston montreal still and, hanging uh, out in the north josh is uh down in tampa florida oh, wow. yeah tampa it's the modern band thing i ride my harley i do a lot of bass fishing uh -huh. um kayaking swimming with baby manatees course you know florida stuff man yeah. yeah you can't do that in memphis <laughs> that i know of got gators in memphis uh there's a, f a few pass through every now and then you find some yeah like you'll hear a report of some kind of you know gator or uh you know through the mississippi river oh, i already feel more at home swimming here, upstream so <laughs> yeah Sweet. send them back down so personally i'm a huge fan of my morning jacket and i was wondering what it was like to work with them on secutal the record and what that experience was like, how you got connected with them. I know you have a lot of uh, great, you know, collaborations that you've done over the years, but that's one particularly that I'm interested in. Sure, that was really wonderful and uh, inspiring. And uh, I've worked with their producer on a couple, couple on a bunch of records. Uh, one of the producers they work with, Tucker Martin, up in Portland. Yeah. And so he um, floated the idea of having me come in and, and do some strings for that album and it was it was great I mean we it was actually kind of last it was very quick mm -hmm. it was around Christmas I think at that time and so um, you know I trashed some things some stuff on my computer and then went to the studio in Nashville we recorded a bunch of, of uh, the tunes and great guys and uh, Jim was really wonderful to work with and very clear on his vision and and uh, great she I noticed that uh, that as we were saying goodbye, he had just wonderful glowing skin. <laughs> and I was like, oh, he's really like working on his energy, you yeah. know, which comes out in his music as well um, and in their music. So that was great. It was a total honor. I love it. I love Same. that record. It's great to listen to. 
That's super cool. I've, I've listened to that record a whole lot, and I never knew uh, who was involved there, so it's cool to finally meet the person involved. Uh, you know, in your field of work, uh, do you ever get asked to do soundtrack music or uh, backing tracks for film or anything like that? A little bit of film over mm -hmm. the years, yeah. Um, definitely a lot of various kind of uh, post-production strings and, and TV work. Um, some of, I think, one of the Lemony Snicket things, the TV series right now. Mm -hmm. Somewhere on there you can hear some, some violin that I laid down. A prominent paint commercial that's happening, I think, in Brazil. <laughs> um, so we have yeah. viewers in Brazil, so never know, know what you're talking about. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know it, that that's a kind of cool thing also in the modern era that you can lay tracks down and send them off to anybody and anywhere. And yeah, we all do some of that for sure. You once described playing with these guys as a holy experience. Yeah. I mean, if when you're really connected and you're all on the same page. Mm -hmm. It's just like you're and you're in a band like that. Whatever style of music, it's just uh, you're kind of goes beyond. Uh, well, to me at least, I don't know. Wouldn't speak for these guys, but to me, w when when you're communicating, connecting like that, uh, it goes beyond just kind of feeling it personally. It feels, uh, you know, it almost makes you question other things in life and other uh, spiritual things mm -hmm. when there's that kind of uh, cohesion. So, yeah, in that way for me, for sure. Well, it's all there in the recordings. Whirls, it's available now online. Is it in stores? It is. Yeah. Get it now. It's out. Check it out. Kittle & Co. Sam, thanks so much for having us, man. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Appreciate Thank you. It. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house. The happy family. The money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.